podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as slow as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Brighton game this uh, coming weekend at Anfield. Joining me once again for Liverpool, we have Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show, regular with us now on, on the Cop Table. And uh, also, you can see his Twitter, Twitter handle on uh, Sky Sports these days, can't you, Jay? How are you doing, pal? <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Napoli footage from last night, their fans. But um, yeah, not too bad. It's a little bit disappointed with the game, to be honest, against Napoli because it was certainly one of them situations where we could have done with winning the game because it would have meant the Salzburg game would have been a dead rubber. And you know now the the typical hard way, which is always the notoriously the Liverpool way. We're going to go down to the last game now and we need at least a point to make sure we get qualification to the next stage. And, you know, it's not ideal because really we wanted to top the group, didn't we? So we might have to go there and win. So I think with Jürgen now, he's going to have to play a full-strength team and he certainly won't be happy about that. No, we could have done with uh, resting a few up for, for that game. And, but obviously now we're a lot rider on it so he's, he's going to have to put a strong side out and, and uh, get us through that group so uh, moving over to our Brighton guest once again we have Tim Jones with us uh, Tim is a, a sports broadcaster for Brighton Hove Albion he goes uh, to all the home games an uh, avid follower so uh, thanks very much for, for joining us once again Tim uh, thanks very much for having me. Uh, looking forward to discussing the game at the weekend, our chances against the league leaders and, <laughs> dare I say, maybe champions in waiting. Well, yeah, long way to go and uh, we'll see how that one ends up. But all fingers and uh, toes crossed from our side that we can we can finally get our ourselves over the line this season with the with the Premier League but like we say we're not counting any chickens and there's a long way to go for us so we shall uh, start by trying to get another three points this weekend so Jay gonna start off uh, with yourself and we're just gonna look back um, at the uh, at the previous fixtures that we've um, that we've had and last Premier League game was was Crystal Palace wasn't it tough place to go like we said on the podcast and we managed to to grind out another win didn't we but wasn't again wasn't the best of performances. But just talk us through what what your thoughts on the game was uh, last weekend, please, Jay. We had a, I fully expected it to be a difficult game at Sellers Park against Crystal Palace. You know, it's a horrible, tight little ground, old-fashioned stadium, and you know the the atmosphere is always quite good there. And 
if you looked at it though, Liverpool actually had a decent record. I think we'd won three or four on the spin there, and that makes it five now, I think, uh, against Crystal Palace. But they're always narrow games, aren't they, against them really tight affairs. And I just thought Liverpool in the first half was shocking, really, totally disjointed. And Crystal Palace were, were the better team. And, you know, they might feel a little bit hard done by but the VAR incidents that ruled out one of their go- a goal for them. But, you know, you can clearly see from the video footage that Lovren's pushed in the back and it's a clear foul for me. It's a correct decision and people moaning about it. I mean, it's ridiculous when you analyse the fact that the free kick that led to the goal was a St. Alexander-Arnold push on Zaha, which was a lot less than the push that was on Lovren in the box by Ayew. So, you know, correct decision there and we went in a half-time nil-nil and we needed to start quickly in the second half and that's exactly what we did do and Sadio Mane, who's been our best attacking player this season for me, you know, opened the score and he's been brilliant this season and, you know, it was an element of fortune though because it took a deflection off Gary Cale and the goalkeeper sort of like flicked it onto one post and it had a bit of top spin on it and it bounced onto the other post and into the net and, you know, we went 1-0 up and it did look like we were just going to see the game out, really. I mean, Crystal Palace had a couple of opportunities, but Liverpool had one opportunity uh, through Roberto Firmino where he went clean through on goal and just had to be a little bit too clever for me. And it was a good save by the goalie, but he should have put it away for 2-0 and put the game to bed. And he, he never, and then our old nemesis, Wilfred Zaha, who's been absolutely terrible all season. But we did say on the podcast last week that guaranteed he'll turn up against Liverpool and that's exactly what he did do and he basically ran from his own half and Trent Alexander-Arnold was really poor wasn't he defensively for, for the goal you know never tracked back and, and Lovren lost his man and all of a sudden Zaha finds himself in you know in the six yard box and just slots it home and it looked like Liverpool were going to drop points really and it was just disappointing, really. But if it would have been a draw, you couldn't really have argued because Liverpool didn't perform very well at all. But just shows you the resilience in this Liverpool team. And a couple of minutes later, we went down the other end, won ourselves a corner, and the ball comes across. And there was a mad scramble in the box. And Firmino, sort of like he, he redeemed himself, didn't he, from the earlier chance that he missed and smashed it home to make it 2-1. And we get the three points again and left it late once again. I think it was the 85th minute or something. And, you know, it's just brilliant to get another three points. But, you know, as we found in midweek against Napoli, you can't just keep doing it time and time again. You know, we ran out of luck, really, if you like, against Napoli because we didn't get the winning goal that we wanted. But, you know, thankfully we got it against Crystal Palace on Saturday and, it made us eight points clear and we need to maintain that gap really. But yeah, it wasn't a fantastic performance by any means, but a vital three points. Yeah, most definitely, Jay. So uh, over to yourself then, Tim. Uh, just looking back at the, the previous fixtures for Brighton, just before the international break, you just went to Manchester United, um, 3-1 to United, and then the last fixture was uh, Leicester and uh, a 2-0 deficit. But by all accounts, uh, Brighton, sorry, playing some uh, really good football and um, probably not not getting what they deserve from, from most of the game. So just tell us a little bit about Brighton's uh, recent form, please, Tim. 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the United game. Um, I mean, actually, yeah, we, we we lost three one, possibly our worst performance of the season, which you don't really want when you're coming up against United at Old Trafford. Um, we, we went two 0 down, hauled ourselves back in the game to two one, and then within sixty seconds conceded. Um, so we will look at that game and say didn't do ourselves justice. And like I say, it was our worst. I think our worst performance of the season. But prior to that. We'd had two fantastic wins at home. Um, we'd beaten Everton, um, although it took a last-minute goal to, to beat them 3-2. Overall, we were by far the better side. Um, I think we dominated the game. Um, we followed that up against Norwich with a 2-0 victory. Norwich were poor on the day. We had a numerous charge, chances. Perhaps our Achilles heel this year, like last, we might be playing better football, but we haven't got that 20-goal-a-season striker that we need. Um, prior to that, probably a great example of how we haven't finished some games off this year. We played away at Villa, 1-0 up, absolutely cruising. First half, Aaron Moy gets two yellow cards within five minutes, gets sent off, and from a commanding position... We end up losing the game and it was to a last minute injury time winner for for Villa. So, you know, a mixed bag in those four games. And the last game we had was at the Amex. We came up against Leicester. Um, The Foxes, I think it was their fifth or sixth win on the bounce. And, uh, you know, on the day we were second best. And I think sometimes when you're second best to a side that are really playing great football, you have to take it on the chin what was disappointing for us is we were completely and comprehensively outplayed in that first half. Leicester had a a dozen chances to score, didn't take them. We didn't have a shot on goal, but then Graham Potter changed the tactics at halftime and we came out and for 15, 20 minutes held our own and hit the bar. And I thought, you know, we might just nick something here, but didn't take our chances and Leicester caught us on the break. They attack with pace. Uh, you've played them yourself this season. You know how dangerous they are. Vardy just streaked away and set up Perez for the first and then notched a penalty um, for for the second. And I think, you know, overall, Leicester deserved that 2-0. So if you're looking at our form in the round, five games, we've taken six from 15. Would have liked to have been nine. But when you look at United and Leicester in those games, We've got to be pleased about how we're playing this season. Um, and uh, whilst disappointed to lose against Leicester, it's onwards and upwards. But we are in the midst of a difficult run with yourselves this weekend and then Arsenal in midweek. So, yeah, there we have our recent form. Yeah, and, and just uh, staying on the uh, the subject of your new manager there, uh, Graham Potter. Um, we spoke a little bit, but then we before we started just tell us a little bit about uh, the impact that he's had on the on the Brighton team please uh, Tim I think Graham Potter's come in um, and if we look at the manner in which he came in you know we lost on the last uh, game of last season not really wanting to bring it up for you but Man City came to the Amex and they won the title and within 24 hours Chris Hewton had been uh, unceremoniously sacked by Tony Bloom and many pundits said, you know, be careful what you wish for. Um, had us down for relegation favourites, you know, know your place. You did well to stay up. Chris Hewton did really well, but Tony Bloom moved straight away and he's got a, he's a progressive thinker and he picked out Graham Potter um, as someone who could take him to where he wants this Albion side to be. And he's made that public a top 10 side. And we were, most fans were a little bit apprehensive, 
but he's taken the side that only won two games in 2019 to, to the end of the season. He's added a couple of players to it, but has got us playing a completely different style. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say vibrant. Um, we're flourishing. He's brought in a different style of playing. He's given youth a chance. And whilst we sit after 13 games on exactly the same points as last season, Every single Albion fan, without question, will say the football they've seen, both home and away this year, has been far, far better than last year. And when we look at the games that we haven't picked up points this season, West Ham at home, Burnley at home, Aston Villa away, we look at those games and think, we could have had more, whereas last year we were grinding 1-0 results out. Um, The game against yourselves at the Amex last year, we put the bus behind the ball and and held out and it it took a penalty for you you guys to break us down. We're completely different this year. Um, and, And that's all down to Potter, the way that he thinks, the way that he plays, flexible, versatile, uh, he adapts, never ever picks the same side or same lineup in successive games, apart from maybe a couple. Um, And that keeps the opposition guessing. And maybe, uh, guys, you know, when Jurgen Klopp came in, I heard about this progressive, high-pressing tempo game. That is exactly what Graham Potter is about. He demands his side to be pressing tempo, have the ball. And that is completely opposite to last year where we struggled to have the ball. We might get one, two chances a game. And we knew if we went one nil down, the best we could hope for was a draw. So he has come in and he has proved a number of pundits wrong. And maybe... I mean, it'd be interesting as to why Tony Bloom came out this week and gave him a two year extension to his contract. Was that a hands off to uh, other suitors that come beckoning or maybe just a reward for the fact he has done really well? Um, But when you look that we are the same this time last year, uh, it's a slight surprise and a eyebrow raiser. But certainly all Brighton fans are very happy with Graham Potter. We have the utmost respect for Chrissy Hewton and what he achieved. And all of us wish we could have said goodbye to him properly. And we're very grateful for what he's done. But we're seeing a brand new style of play. Potterball is here. It's here, hopefully, for us for the, the short and the long-term future. But make, mo- make no mistake, I think Graham Potter is a manager for the future and destined for even bigger and better things than the Albion. OK, cheers. Tim, right then, Jay, just going to talk a little bit about the, the team selection for last night's game and then the possible um, scenario for the for the starting team against Brighton with the with the injury situation. So what was your thoughts on um, Trent being left on the bench and also Wijnaldum? And then looking forward to the Brighton game, obviously for being um, suspended, but he, he's injured now anyway. So who do you think comes in to, to replace him at the weekend, please? Well, to be honest with you, I was shocked at the, at the selection by Klopp because that was a massive game against Napoli. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that he wanted to make sure we won that game to top the group, which would have meant the Salzburg game would have been a dead rubber because... We all know Liverpool have got 10 games now in 30 days and it's a busy schedule, very hectic. You know, we've got to go to Qatar for the World Club Cup. 
Um, we've got the Caribou Cup quarter final, which we already know he's going to basically play the under 23s in that game because the very next day we've got a, a match in Qatar. So he would have liked to have made the Salzburg game a dead rubber because he could have played, you know, the, the crux of the team that'll play against Aston Villa in the Caribou Cup. Could have played a lot of them in Salzburg and it's backfired really. And, and that's why I was baffled by the team selection. I mean, Make no mistake, you know, Jürgen Klopp sees these players day in, day out in training at Melwood. So we who are we to, to second guess them or to judge them? But Trent Alexander Arnold has been brilliant this season. He's one of our most creative sparks in the team at right back. Um and he actually came off the bench in the game against Napoli. So he did play a part in the game. So he quite clearly wasn't injured. Whether or not he was wrestling with a few of these games in mind coming up, I don't know, but it seems to be a, a little bit of a shambles, really, to, to leave him out because everyone can see that Joe Gomez, he's not a right-back. If you're going to play Joe Gomez, you've got to play him centre-half and he struggled at right-back and, you know, it, he's just not good enough there. He's too cumbersome for me and I thought he had a poor game and he just offered nothing. The only other side to it as well is if you're going to leave Trent Alexander-Arnold out the side, then you need an extra body in midfield in terms of creativity. So it was crying out for maybe Oxlade-Chamberlain to start, and what does he do? He starts James Milner over Wijnaldum. So his team selection was baffling. And, you know, let's be honest, Jürgen Klopp's an absolute genius. He's won us the European Cup, but he's certainly not above criticism, and he he will make mistakes, and he certainly made a mistake against Napoli with his team selection because in the first half, Liverpool were very, very poor and you look at Napoli, they're a very solid side, very good defensively. They're in a little bit of turmoil, weren't they? But I looked at the the fixtures that they'd had and, you know, they hadn't won a game in six, but they'd drawn five of them six games and now it's six and seven that they've drawn. They've only lost one game in that time. So, you know, they're very hard to beat, difficult side to beat. Ancelotti, fantastic manager, knows the time of day. So I think maybe there's an element of, of underestimating them a little bit and, and that certainly shouldn't have been the case at all because we know how good they are. I mean, Liverpool have played them four times now in the space of, I think it's 14 months, Champions League last season, Champions League this season. We've scored two goals against them. And the two goals that we scored against them, I mean, last season, Salah's was a world-class goal, wasn't it? Out of nothing. And the goal that we scored against them this time around was, was from a set-piece stage in Lovren Header. So, a very difficult team to break down. And even when Liverpool pull... I mean, I suppose you'd have to look and say their goal was very debatable because it looked like a foul, didn't it, on Van Dijk? And VAR basically is a shambles because in the first game yeah. against them in, in Napoli, you know, it was, it was a dive for the penalty. It should never have been given... It was a disgraceful decision. And once again, we got done, didn't we? Because it did look like a foul on Van Dijk. And to be perfectly honest, I actually thought it looked offside as well. And you can you can cut it down all fine margins all you want with VAR. But, you know, there's still human error for me. And I just thought it was a shambles, really. And we, we went a goal down. It was a great finish by me. And some might question Alisson's positioning for the goal. But I, I thought it was a fantastic strike. Um, we were chasing the game then. But we just never really looked like we were going to score, to be honest. And yeah, OK, Lovren did score from a set piece, but when it was 1-1 and you thought the agency would be there to get the winning goal because of what it would have meant for us to have that little bit of a, you know, bit of a buffer, if you like, you know, in the December fixtures pile-up that we've got, 
it just never really looked like getting a winning goal for me. And uh, for me, you know, should have scored a header. But other than that, we were very poor on the night. And I think a draw was probably a fair result. And it just does us no favours whatsoever. And, you know, Klopp will probably be the first to admit that he made a mistake with his team selection. Um, with that in mind, now moving forward to this game against Brighton, you know, there's obviously going to be a few changes. The big disappointment was Fabinho's injury. And the rumours are that he could be out for quite a while, which if he's out for all of the festive periods, as I said before, 10 games in 30 days, if he's going to miss all of them games, then it's a massive blow. I mean, you look at some of the games on paper, we've got four Premier League games now before we go to Qatar, and three of them are at Anfield. And, and realistically speaking, we should win all four of them. But we're, being without Fabinho is certainly a blow because he adds to the dynamics of the team. He's the spine. He's a massive part of the spine. Um, but, you know, we're just going to have to cope. We're going to have to deal with it because other teams, it happens to them and they cope and they deal with it. You know, you have to look at Man City. They've had quite a lot of injuries this season and they've just got on with it. You know, and that's exactly what Liverpool have got to do. And it's going to be interesting now to see who comes in as the number six role, because Adam Lallana has played there a few times this season. He was very good, actually. There was a few raised eyebrows in the summer when Klopp mentioned that that's a role that he could see him play in this season. A lot of people doubted it, but he was very good at Villa Park when we won away there, 2-1. Fantastic display by him, really. Um, so he's an option to play the number six role. Genie Wijnaldum could also play there, and of course Jordan Henderson. So it remains to be seen what Klopp actually goes with. I mean, for the game on Saturday against Brighton, Fabinho was suspended anyway, so it would have been irrelevant. He wouldn't have played in that game regardless of the injury. So it is going to be interesting. And, and I definitely could see Lalana coming into the side because he's going to be fresh. He never featured in the Champions League game. He never featured against Crystal Palace. So, you know, to me, I think there's a good shout that he could start the game in the number six role. Um, other than that, Jordan Henderson's very debatable whether or not he can play three games in a week and I think maybe he will be rested for the Derby game with the Derby game in mind next Wednesday so that we could have a be shuffling the pack really in midfield I think Oxlade Chamberlain's due a start as well so I think Oxlade Chamberlain will come into the midfield as well and then probably Wijnaldum because he was on the bench wasn't he and he did come on for Fabinho so I can see him starting in midfield as well defensively of course Trent's got to come back but the dilemma then is, does Andy Robertson start the game? Because he, he didn't go away with Scotland because he was carrying a knock. He started against Palace. And to be honest, if anyone was going to miss out in the Napoli lineup, you would have said it would have been Robertson rather than Trent, wouldn't you, really? But, you know, we played Robertson. And, and to, to me, I thought he was really mm. poor against Napoli. I mean, I know the whole team didn't play well, didn't function very well. But I thought Robertson was arguably one of our worst performers. I mean, he was terrible, to be honest. I think he was the, the player that gave the ball away the most. Um, Manny had a poor night as well, and he's been brilliant this season. But Robertson was really poor, and I think that's down to the fact that he's quite clearly carrying an injury. So whether or not he's going to play on Saturday, I really don't know. And if he doesn't play, then it could end up being Milner at left-back. It really could. And, you know, it's... As I say, it's not ideal when you've got players carrying knocks because we've had it with Salah. Salah hasn't really recovered, has he, since the injury he got against Leicester in October. I mean, he's been in and out the side and didn't go away into national duty. He had his foot in it, a protective boot, didn't he? And, 
you know, he, again, very he's been quite poor, hasn't he, lately, Salah? And, you know, snatching at chances and over it and under it and passes, just not really, nothing's really going for him. His, his touch has been off as well. So, I don't know, it's an interesting team selection against Brighton because, like I say, the game's come thick and fast now and, but a major shot to be next Wednesday as well. Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit propanetaxi.com. No contact, no commitment, no problem. Don't forget, so it's going to be very intriguing, but, you know, I'm sure Jürgen Klopp knows what he's doing, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, it'd be, uh, be very interesting to see what what sort of team he puts out. I think uh, after Chamberlain's performance coming off the bench, he, he looked very lively, didn't he? And uh, started to create a lot more down that right-hand side when, when him and Strength came on. So uh, I think... Them two should be um, in the starting lineup. Myself, uh, more than likely, Wijnaldum and um, Henderson, possibly Milner. It, it's going to be uh, very interesting, like we say, to see which which team Jurgen Klopp goes with this weekend. So, just uh, oh, back over to yourself, then, Tim. Just like like to ask you about the the boy of yours that's been linked to Liverpool, Ben White. He's he's currently on loan at Leeds. Um, centre back apparently he's very highly rated what's what's your thoughts on him tell us a little bit about Ben White please uh, Tim well Ben White is highly rated and there's a reason why Ben White is highly rated he's a cool calm character Um, you know he uh, I'm I'm sure he was with Southampton as a youngster um, and then got released by them and entered into our academy Um, and he you know he came up through the ranks and and he went out on loan to Newport uh, the season before last Um, Mike Flynn the Newport manager uh, I, I described him as the best loan signing the club's ever made. He was ever present um, in their cup run. He had some fantastic games. Um, he came back um, impressed in our under 23s uh, who had a fantastic season, you know, last season in the first half, he did very, very well um, went out on, on loan again. And I think the big thing for us in the summer um, when Graham Potter came in, it was a debate about whether, you know, was Ben White going to be given his chance within the club? You hear these whispers about young up, up and coming players. And there was very strong whispers about him, but the club decreed that he'd go out on loan to Leeds uh, season long loan. Uh, I think, you know, when, uh, uh, Bielsa comes in and takes a player on loan for a year. He must think quite highly of him. Um, we turned down uh, uh, suitors such as Spurs for his signature. Um, and if you see what Ben White has done since going to Leeds, he's made the championship player of the month uh, on one occasion and been not shortlisted, uh, nominated uh, on a, a couple of others. Um, he's just showing that he has this ability to step up Um not necessarily the greatest player in the air, although he, you know, it's certainly not a weak point. Um, he just has this ability to do the dirty uh, in the tackles that's needed. Um, and when he brings the ball out of defence, um, you don't have this panic with him. He looks cool, calm and collected. Um, 
dare I say it, a sort of Baresi way about him when he brings the ball out and uh, he comes out with pace um, and he certainly set leads on the attack. Um, you know, uh, Graham Potter has spoken and Brighton have had a couple of injury problems in the centre of defence and suspension. And a number of the fans were saying, you know, are we going to bring Ben White back? Are we going to bring him back? And Potter said, oh, I'm not sure where you are. We want him to have a season, you know, in the championship. And given the fact he's setting the championship on fire already, uh, it just shows that the level he's at. And it's of no surprise to me that other clubs such as yourself um, are being linked with him because of the style of player he is. Um, you know, I, I think he would be perfect for Liverpool in the style of player he is, but whether it be a move too soon for him, I, for one, want to see him in the blue and white stripes next year. And, you know, without looking too far ahead, what Graham Potter has done this year, he split the Duffy Dunk partnership that the last three years have been the bedrock of Brighton's solid defensive unit. Potter's come in and he's taken them aside. And for me, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Ben White came back and was above Duffy in the pecking order and or it pains me to say the, the club captain might leave in the summer. But Lewis Dunk is a phenomenal player. Ben White's a perfect replacement for him. So he is a, a player who who commands respect already with what he's achieved in such a short space of time in the championship. And it's of no surprise to anyone involved in the club why other club suitors are, are, are interested in him. Um, you only need to watch him. I watched him play against Reading earlier on this week. He did not put a foot wrong. Everything he did, you know, you were in awe of it and purring at the way he just carried the ball out of defence. He is one to watch for the future. I just hope that future is with Brighton. But if it meant he was going to somebody else and, you know, I've heard rumours of a £25 million fee. We bought Adam Webster for £20 million. So I don't think that's out of kilter with what a um, defender's worth these days. Um, It could be him. Really, really great player. No surprise to me. I just hope Ben White is part of the Albion's future moving forward. Yeah, and like you say, um, £25 million for, for a, no disrespect, a, a club of Brighton size is a huge amount of money, isn't it? And it could be reinvested into other parts of your your squad um, in the Premier League. So just um, before we do our score predictions, we've just spoke to Jay about the possible lineup for Liverpool. Give us your your predicted starting lineup for Brighton at the weekend, please, Tim. Yeah, I think Graham Potter will most likely go a three-five. Two, um, I think he'll do that just to try and nullify the uh, impressive Trent and Robertson, um, you know, wingers, uh, defenders. You know, you, you just see them going down the wing at pace. So I think he's going to go 3-5-2. If he does that, it'll be Ryan in goal. Um, Webster, Duncan, Big Dan Byrne will be the three at the back. Um, Montoya is uh, already made first on the team sheet, sort of right wing back. He's left wing back. Um, Solly March is out injured. Um, Bernardo's only played 45 minutes for the under-23s recently. So I think that position is one which will be brave to bring Bernardo in. If he doesn't, I think uh, the youngster Azate will uh, play there. An absolute um, superb starlet for the future. Stevens will be the link between the defence and the midfield. Um, uh, Trossard is uh, one of our 
signings of the summer. Um, had an injury, uh, missed a couple of games, but he's been absolutely phenomenal when he's played with assists and goals. Pascal Gross, I think Potter will go with him. We win games when he's in the side. Um, and then it's any two from three up front or, or at the top of the park, Aaron Moy, Neil Mope and the youngster Aaron Connolly. Connolly's been injured. The reason why I think Potter might go with him is just to try and test that Liverpool defence and, you know, push Liverpool back a bit. You know, Connolly's got pace to burn. Um, but it will be two of those three, uh, but it will be a 3-5-2 lineup. I have no doubt. OK, cheers, uh, Tim, 3-5-2. So what we're going to do now, we're just going to get our score predictions in. So... Starting off with you, Jay. Give us your your predictions on the scoreline and uh, your reasons for them, please. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Liverpool and Brighton last season, if you look back to it, we won 1-0, didn't we, at the start of the season at Anfield. And it wasn't a great game, really. And, and Brighton nearly nicked a point towards the end of the game as well, but for an Alisson save. And when we went to the Amex, it was, uh, again, Liverpool were in control, really. Brighton sat back a lot and... It took a, a most solid penalty, didn't it, to, to win the game then as well, 1-0. So, Liverpool haven't really scored many goals against them, certainly not last season anyway. I think the season before, we won 5-1 at the Amex, but you know, that was when we played uh, Gini Wijnaldum and I think it was Emre Chan in the back line, wasn't it, or something like that, something mad like that. Um, five, three centre-halves and we had a few issues that day and we still won 5-1, but I fully expect it to be... Uh, a tight game because you know this is the thing with Liverpool. You know this season we were speaking about this before we come on the podcast. Liverpool have had to dig in and grind out results a lot this season, and it's been a bit of a strange season because for us to be eight points clear and we haven't actually clicked in the sense of what we know we're capable of and the way Liverpool can play. It, it's just been a strange, strange season so far. But you know here we are, eight points clear. We can't complain. We can't grumble. We're absolutely flying, really. We've won 12 and drawn only one game. So, you know, you've got to expect Liverpool to get another three points. But we certainly have got a few issues going into this game where Fabinho's out the side. And as I said before, we've got a couple of injury issues in the sense that Andy Robertson's quite clearly not 100%. Most most Salah's certainly not 100% either. So it's going to be an interesting team selection and very difficult, as we always say, to second-guess Klopp. And the midfield area is going to be a little bit of a conundrum, shall we say, in terms of we might have a couple of players in there that are not used to playing together with Oxlade-Chamberlain. I said, I've said Lalana, haven't I, potentially in the number six role. So it remains to be seen what Klopp decides to go with. But, you know, as Tim's saying there, though, for all that Brighton have improved this season in terms of the football, easy on the eye, they seem to struggle for goals. I mean, I was looking before and they lost 2-0 against Leicester. They lost 2-0 as well against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. They also lost 4-0 at the start of the season to Man City. So, you know, when you analyse, that's the rest of the top four. They haven't scored a goal against them. And Liverpool haven't kept a clean sheet for 11 games. And I keep saying it time and time again, we're due to keep on, we're due to keep on. And I just think this time, maybe on Saturday, we will keep on against Brighton. But I certainly don't think we'll give them a hiding at all because Liverpool just seem a little bit disjointed for me at the moment. Certainly, you know, in this, we're not creating as many chances as we normally do, not clear-cut ones anyway. And like I say, Salah's form's not being great. Firmino scored four goals this season in 20 matches. It's just not really acceptable, really. I think he's a fantastic footballer. He just doesn't score enough goals and 
Sadio Mane's performances this season have been outstanding and he's carried us a little bit. But I thought he was poor against Napoli. So it's going to be interesting. But I think Liverpool have a little bit too much for Brighton. So I'll go for a 2-0 Liverpool win. 2-0 Liverpool win for you, Jay. OK, Tim, just give us your thoughts on the score prediction and your reasons for them, please. Yeah, Jay made some really good points there. Um, let's look at the Albion. Struggle for goals against what I consider top four sides. You're right, City lost 4-0. Leicester lost 2-0. Chelsea lost 2-0. Liverpool are the other side to me that t- pick up the top four this season. Um, um, and for all, Potter has brilliantly changed around Brighton's fortunes. The way we play, we're still struggling for goals. And Liverpool haven't clicked this year, haven't given a team a, a right ruddy good hiding yet. And so one team's due it. I just hope it's not us this Saturday. Um, the positives for the Albion. Um you know, Liverpool in a run of heavy fixtures. I, mean, I know we all are as Premier League sides, but Liverpool have got more competitions to concern themselves. Um, and Potter's instilled this nothing to lose mentality. I mean, we went to City and we lost 4-0, but some of the possession that we had and some of the play we made was great. On another day, might have got a little bit of luck. Um, I think my heart hopes at best for a draw maybe 1-1 but on the basis you know you look at the facts and say you haven't kept a clean sheet for x number of games and maybe this is the one I think my head is going to put it down as a 2-0 I really hope the head's wrong and the heart's right and we come away with a draw both games last year were very very narrow 1-0 yeah, we might have nicked it, uh, nicked a point at uh, Anfield, but for that wonderful save by Allison. But really, Liverpool were wasteful with chances that day, and the one at the Amex, we did part the bus um, and waited for any anyone to try and break us down, and it was that Mo Salah penalty. But um, I'm, I'm going to say, heart hopes for a draw, but head thinks a two nil victory and three points for you in that quest for the championship. Cheers, Tim. Yeah, um, both going with a two nil scoreline. Just. My own thoughts before I introduce the the music and do the little competition we've got going. Um, I'm gonna go with a three-one victory in this game for Liverpool. I just think because of the we haven't kept many clean sheets this season, like you, you both alluded to earlier on in the podcast. We we are um, susceptible to conceding goals lately. So uh, who's to say that Brighton won't won't get? on the score sheet which which I'm going to predict that they will be but I'm just going to think that obviously with, with Salah coming back in now and um, Mane trying to hit some form again after his disappointing display against Napoli um, and a few of the other players was disappointing really um, in the Champions League wasn't he so I just think they're going to want to put them put them performances right and, and put in a decent performance against Brighton at the weekend and get some confidence um, back in them going towards the, the Derby game on the Wednesday evening. So I'm going to go with a 3-1 victory for Liverpool in this fixture. OK, so we've um, been in touch with the lads over at Cop Badges. You can see their their page on Twitter. It's, on, it's attached to our account as well. They've uh, kindly donated four badges of theirs to give away as prizes for... For this week, um, there's a there's a Jurgen Klopp on there, Firmino, King Kenny one, and a, a Virgil Van Dijk badge. So the question that I'm going to put out there for for all the listeners, uh, all you've got to do is 
obviously because this is an audio podcast you can reply to the cop table when we put this this podcast out as a tweet tomorrow reply underneath with uh, your answer to this question so that question uh, for the prize is going to be who netted Liverpool's final Premier League goal of the 2017-18 season so who scored the last goal for Liverpool in the 2017-18 season Right, so get your answers into the Twitter page tomorrow and with your chance to win one of them uh, badges from the the at cop badges page. Right, and before we go, I'm just going to introduce the band that's been in touch with us on Twitter this week. They're a three-piece rock band from the Liverpool area. So the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Skyline by Seas of Neptune.
And that song was called Skyline by Seas of Neptune. Thanks for, for the lads for getting in touch with us on Twitter this week. I believe they're the big Liverpool fans as well. And um, I know they was seeing if we could do anything for them in regards to getting their track played at Anfield. I've put them in touch with uh, George Sefton, the, the stadium announcer, and hopefully that something will happen with with, uh, with that over there for them. So that's the preview of the Liverpool versus Brighton game all done. Big thanks once again to Tim and Jay for joining me on the show. Hope you enjoyed it, lads, and uh, both enjoyed the game at the weekend. Thanks very much. Yeah, looking forward to it. Good stuff. Yeah, should be a good game. Enjoy the game, lads. Thanks very much. And um, just before we go as well, Big thanks to the At Liverpool Online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages, the LFC Day Tippers for putting all our podcasts out. And don't forget to keep up, uh, very importantly, with the No More Knives campaign uh, that's running in the Merseyside area. Paul Bentley, Lee Butler, all them lads over there doing great things with the, the No More Knives campaign. We've uh, been on board with them from start of the season now and um, lots of good things happening for a, for a great cause. So, Make sure you, you you click on their stuff and see what's happening and, and get behind the lads as, as much as we can with the, the fight against knife crime in, in the Merseyside area. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will be back with our Derby preview on Monday evening, which is going to be live. And we can now say that we're going to be moving over to a new media company called Shed Media. And that will be our very first podcast under the new name, Monday evening. And uh, we look forward to starting to work with uh, them guys from uh, from next week. So, a little bit of information for everybody there. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, speak to you all next week. Goodbye. Ain't no place like a cowboy place. Ain't no time like a cowboy time. Ain't no way like the cowboy way. Have a cowboy kind of day. Yeah. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at a rose in the way you're going wrong. Hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Sports Social Podcast Network.